0: St. Louis Circuit attorney Kim Gardner cruised to victory in the August primary. But unlike in 2016, that win did not officially secure her the office. She'll face Republican Daniel Stradowski in November. The Democrat joins me next on Politically Speaking to talk about transitioning to a general election campaign, the historic number of homicides in the city, and the outcome of the recently concluded legislative special session on violent crime. Let's hit the music.
1: is as critical as anywhere else in the country
0: i really want
1: the state to succeed we want everybody to
0: uh, know that we're all working together i just worked hard to try to build my name where i didn't have the money and welcome to politically speaking i'm your host rachel lippman joining me today is
1: kimberly gardner circuit attorney for the city of st louis
0: And Miss Gardner was on our podcast back in August during the uh, primary elections, but since she does have an opponent in the general election, we decided that it was appropriate to bring her back to uh, just share a little bit more about her platform for those who might not have caught it the first time. You can find the episode of Politically Speaking with her Republican opponent, Daniel Zdradowski, at stlpublicradio.org. And uh, Circuit Attorney Gardner, for those who may not have had a chance to hear the podcast the first time, tell us a little bit about your platform. What is uh, central to your campaign for the Circuit Attorney's Office?
1: What is central is we have to address the root causes of what drives individuals to the criminal justice system, but not sacrifice them holding violent crime drivers accountable. So we look at how we can um, get to those root causes by dealing with the broken systems of just preventing crime as well as holding those individuals who commit violent crime accountable. The one size fits all, tough on crime rhetoric has not made us safe. And we have to address um, violent crime from holding people accountable, but at the same time, we have to look at low level nonviolent individuals who are going into the system and not make them those more more violent individuals by addressing the cycle of victimization, making sure we bring trauma-informed counseling to our office, make sure we bring services for victims of domestic and sexual assault so we can stop the cycle of victimization. You're a victim today, a perpetrator tomorrow, and people go in and out of that continuum. So we're looking at harm reduction and public safety from a public health lens.
0: Is there a case that you have handled during your time as circuit attorney that you think is just emblematic of how your uh, focus on the root causes of crime can work sort of to keep people from going into the system even more and you know, really keep them from becoming a future victim or a future perpetrator of very violent crime?
1: Well, I think we see them every day. We have ex- we created the first prosecutor led diversion programs in our office, as well as around the state of Missouri and nationally known around the country. We were the first to create alternative programs to address the opioid crisis. Right now we have more opioid deaths than murders. I know that's we have a lot of murders right now that we're talking about in our city, unfortunately, but we have just as many or more opioid deaths. But how do we deal with those? We have to address addiction. And so we created the first drug Opioid education class that has one, given people opportunities to hold themselves accountable, but at the same time, get them treatment to get them uh, medicated assistant treatment taught by addiction physicians. We also have young offenders diversion program. These are individuals that are more likely to be victims of crime as well as perpetrators of crime if you don't catch it early. So we give them Um, We know their brain is not developed between 17 and 25. We give them um, cognitive behavior therapy. We give them trauma-informed counseling. We get them job training and job readiness skills as well as viable employment. We actually help them address the trauma of many individuals who have lost loved ones or friends to violence in this city and around this country. So we are addressing that in a holistic way and our diversion programs have less than 5% recidivism rate. So those are many examples that we are showing in a way that we didn't have this didn't happen overnight it's not going to be south overnight and so we have to address the root causes because this is the long-term approaches that actually reduce this violent stuff that we're seeing right now
0: you do mention that your platform has a long-term focus but we're in a city that will see more than 200 homicides this year some neighborhoods have you know 15 16 17 people killed how do you make the case that your attention to root causes will keep this city safe in the in
1: the short term? Well I mean definition of sanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. We have short-term approaches in terms of how we hold people accountable but that's simply in the city of St. Louis not enough. Most violent cases as we know in the city of St. Louis even before I took office are unsolved because of two things. Lack of victim and witness participation and um, lack of evidence So we have to, these programs I'm talking about, not only build confidence and trust in the system to make people come forward. So when there is a violent incident in the community, people will feel comfortable coming forward. At the same time, we also have to help the police department and our law enforcement partners build trust, as well as have the appropriate evidence needed to hold individuals accountable when they commit more heinous crimes and so i think that it's not a it you know we do have short-term solutions but at the end of the day we need common sense gun laws which is the issue that no one actually talks about you know before i took office missouri became an open carrying permitless stand your ground state so that means more people have access to guns but we never talk about having a solution to have Common sense gun restrictions, which gives prosecutors the tools to hold these individuals accountable. At the same time, we have to make sure we have, we fund social services that also address violent crime and the things that I'm speaking of. And as well as build trust in the system. And I think these things that we're implementing are short term as well as long term approaches.
0: Just about 25% of this year's homicide cases have been solved. Other than what you mentioned in terms of helping build trust in the system, are there things that you would do in a second term to help boost that that solve rate to make it that you can hold those drivers of violent crime accountable by by charging them?
1: We're not the investigative agency. We actually look at the type of cases that what type of evidence we need to pursue a particular charge but what we will continue to work with police department is to continue to one strengthen their investigation so we work well with the police department in terms of you know letting them know what we need trying to work together to have a coordinated approach to actually to develop evidence so we can eventually issue a murder or a serious case, which everyone knows a murder does not have a statute of limitations. So when people have these false deadlines that a case should be solved or issued with a a certain deadline, that's simply not reality. And we have to understand that we never want to issue a case where we have the wrong individual. Wrongful convictions erode the trust and integrity of the system also. So I think that we have to have a common sense approach to understanding that police officers need to have the ability to do their jobs and we work well with them to help strengthen the cases, but sometimes that may not be the case because people are afraid to come forward. So that's why community outreach. That's why building bridges with community by how we police and how we also hold police accountable. That is also a bridge that community sees that we want to not just come to you when something happens, but actually build trust. So when something does happen, you have a place to go. And we're seeing that with the Captain Dorn case, you know, we went out with um, community partners and we asked the community for help to identify individuals who committed this most heinous crime against Captain Dorn, and we were successful in apprehending those with community police partnership and we want to continue to do those things and we do those every day without media attention or fanfare.
0: Are the officers on the homicide squads open to or are they listening to when you tell them, you know, hey, this is what we need to be able to make sure we have the right person is, is that relationship there where they're treating it as okay we understand what is needed or is it more you know oh goodness we don't understand why this case isn't getting issued
1: well i think that we have a lot of misinformation that's been put out with people who have an agenda the agenda has been to throw the circuit attorney under the bus kim gardner because the police investigate develop leads develop witnesses and actually collect evidence and so i think that there's been misinformation put out with by the attorney general uh, and by many others who want a political pander to basically erode trust with the community. So we have a relation with the police department. We do our job every day without any accolades or fanfare. So we issue cases, but there always is going to be a natural tension in terms of what a, uh, an investigative agency believes that is somehow um, enough to issue a charge, but we are the lawyers and we review whether or not we can go forward. And I think we're going to always have things we agree on or disagree, but what we can agree that we don't want the wrong person to be charged or put into a conviction that was obtained unlawfully or with bad evidence. People need to um, actually understand the lanes. We We evaluate what we need because we tried those cases. The police like to sometimes get in their tunnel vision of this is what we need, but it's a case by case situation, but we are working well together. Of course, there are gonna be some you know, com- complaints, but you know, we also have, we have to uphold the law and we have the duty to be ministers of justice, to pursue justice, not merely convictions.
0: A lot does get made of the charges, especially the homicide cases that your office files, but the numbers do actually seem to show that you charge a fair number of the homicide cases that get brought to your office. And as you mentioned, there is no statute of limitations for murder. And I'm wondering where the disconnect comes in between those statistics and the rhetoric we hear about, you know, your office isn't charging any of these cases, and, and that's why the situation in St. Louis is so bad, especially when it comes to homicides.
1: Well, when people have agenda because they don't like who the elected or prosecutor is, they have what's called elections. And August 4th, I was overwhelmingly elected um, by 61%. And I have a race November 3rd. And I believe when you have individuals like the Attorney General Eric Schmidt, um, Governor Mike Parson, um, President Donald Trump by will of um, William Barr, who want to inject their opinions on how do you address violent crime by using the same flawed mass incarceration approaches of this tough on crime one size fits all rhetoric that has done nothing but devastate and deteriorate communities that need help the most so we have to to start stop pointing fingers at a person and let's do the work and i challenge my colleagues why don't you try something different why don't you work with me and actually understand what Kim Gardner is saying if you you know the the rhetoric that somehow Kim Gardner wants to let it go a serious violent individual or not charge a serious violent individual is offensive because I live in North City so I understand what devastation and destruction of violent crime does to the community it does to the well-being of everyone who lives in the community and so this misinformation and rhetoric and also it's fueled by the police union Jeff Rorta who the only thing they want to do is basically throw everybody on a bus because therefore a one-sided, one-size-fits-all view that no one can challenge anything other than do what they say in terms of their rhetoric, that their police should not be held accountable in any s- instance. So you have individuals that have an agenda that is not about the community. It's not about fairness and justice. It's only about their idea of what they think is, is okay for them. And the end of the day, we have people dying senselessly at the hands of lax gun laws that, by the way, Attorney General Eric Schmidt, who was a senator when I was a state rep, voted for that law. You have people dying at the hands of Governor Parson's legislation that he supported when he was a senator. So when these same people say they want to address violent crime, I ask them why they're afraid to put restrictions, common sense restrictions on access to guns. Lowering the age and giving everyone access to a gun and a self-defense claim is part of the problem why we're seeing the increase of murders as well as a COVID-19 pandemic that has put more people out of jobs. And people are actually in a serious crisis right now that a lot of our leaders on the federal level as well as the governor and the state level choose to turn their head and hide behind this pandemic to cause fear and divide. But in the end of the day, until we have a plan of investing in people then you're going to continue to see the problems that we have, because we have, uh, we have segregation, isolation, disinvestment, joblessness, hopelessness, and then we say, well, what's the problem?
0: And we'll be right back after this short break. And we're back on Politically Speaking with Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. And Ms. Gardner, you had a pretty big margin of victory in your primary win in August. What was the message that you took away from, I think it was a 60-40 margin?
1: Well, it was it was basically what took away that people want reform in the city of St. Louis. They doubled down on the, the vision going forward that they elected me in 2016, and they want to continue that work. Everyone knows that, you know, we have a lot of work to do and um, it's been, um, in spite of all the challenges of, of the status quo individuals trying to hold on and, and prevent criminal justice reform. We've done some great things and we've done some Some things that have actually changed a lot of the criminal justice ecosystem. So I think the people of the city of St. Louis want more of this and they want to see us get better.
0: There were still however 40% of the voters who voted in the primary in August did say, hey, we want to choose somebody else. Or we believe somebody else is better for the job. What is your message to them in the general election?
1: Well, I think that you have to look at, you know, I have an election November 3rd and I have an opponent. But at the end of the day, is moving this city forward together and understand the real challenges of, of, of looking at public safety and harm reduction and we need someone who's actually done this work who's actually led this office who actually understands the challenges and in spite of us has persevered so if you look for someone who has real solutions for the very real problems then you'll vote for cam Gardner, november 3rd but we want to continue to move this city forward not backwards
0: your primary campaign through a number of different factors ended up attracting a lot of national attention and getting to some degree nationalized do you expect that uh, to happen, something similar to happen for the general election as
1: well? I think there's, um, this is a big race. You know, this is one of the key issues in our city, as well as around the nation. I believe pros- uh, reform minded prosecutors like myself are under attack by many um, um, federal actors, as we see, um, led by President Donald Trump and many other people who want a political pander their failed leadership to deal with this COVID-19 crisis. Criminal justice reform is a key issue around this country and the city of St. Louis. And I believe that you know in terms of I can't t- speak to what somebody else would do, but I think that this is a, a important race.
0: You had what could be called a victory during the special session called on violent crime by Governor Parson when concurrent jurisdiction, which would have allowed the attorney general to come in and try homicide cases in the city of St. Louis under certain circumstances, didn't get a vote in the house and therefore didn't go to Governor Parson's desk. What was your reaction to that that happening?
1: I think it was um, it was crucial. I think uh, it was a uh, testament to people and the legislature to see that this is a. Uh, Uh, political pandering by a group of individuals that have no idea um, what it means to have an elected prosecutor be able to do their job uh, without fanfare or media or political attention. I believe that it's about voter suppression and I think that others even on the other side see that regardless of what you think about Kim Gardner it's about the local prosecutor should have the ability to make their decisions in terms of who they charge, what they charge, when they charge, and it's called prosecutorial discretion. And so why is it different when someone like Kim Gardner comes into office in this position?
0: If you had been asked by Governor Parson to set the agenda for the special session, or if he had asked you, what could we do to really help the city of St. Louis uh, fight violent crime, in Kansas City and other areas as well, what would you have recommended? What would you have wanted to see the General Assembly act upon?
1: Um, first, I would have had some common sense gun regulations that's restoring access, the accessibility of guns in our state, as well as the city of St. Louis. I would have um, looked at how we fund social services that address mental illness and access, which we passed Medicaid expansion, but there's still issues in terms of how we're going to, to develop it in the state of Missouri. So to begin the conversations of funding um, access to social services that we know can address Trauma and other issues that lead people into the criminal justice system. I would have put back uh, restore funding to actual um, Education, which is crucial because the defunding of education is is so crucial in terms of the criminal justice system would also wanted to see a strategic partnership that could have been a, a, a pilot program that I've pushed when I was a legislator, as well as um, even told the governor, working with the, the, our crime suppression unit that we have in our office, working with the gang intervention unit to create a unique partnership with our federal, our local law enforcement partners to deploy and have a pilot program of $500,000 where we would be embedded in the community that we can identify crime drivers and work strategically with unique investigations as well as prosecutions to hold those crime drivers uh, accountable. And then, and we've done this in the early 2000s when our crime, our murder rate was the lowest that it's been in a long time. That was because our office working with the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department were the first in the country to have this strategic community approach embedded in the community. But we need resources for that. So I wanna continue to push that because that's what we're working on going forward to have that strategic um Uh, coordination in the community, but the prosecutors, as well as the police department, will be in the community.
0: Residency for police officers was one of the things that passed during the uh, special session, one of only two things. So uh, police officers can now live outside the city of St. Louis. Ultimately, what do you think that is going to mean? Is that good, bad and different for the city?
1: Well, I think, you know, I support with the people, the people of the city of St. Louis, for the most part, wanted their police department to be and to live in the, the area that they police. I understand we had issues with um, uh, numbers of, of recruiting, but I say, how have we tried to recruit within people who live in the city? And I believe that um, There's many pros and cons to it, but hopefully we can have individuals who want to effectively police in communities that are challenged with a lot of inequities and how we police is crucial for the things that we're talking about, how we hold a violent individual accountable. So I hope that in this um, seeking outside individuals that come into our jurisdiction, hopefully they will develop the understanding of our community that people in the community who are blanketed by violent crime and people characterize them of not caring about crime actually want police to police appropriately and to respect the community and they respect police also
0: for all of our stories on the 2020 election and our episodes of politically speaking you can go to our website at uh st i'm on twitter at our lipman that's two p's and two n's circuit attorney gardner where can people find you and your campaign in the digital space
1: you can go to votekimgardner.org and you'll see us on Facebook. We have a Twitter, but you know, in the end of the day, you'll see us around. So we're out here in the community every day and look forward to running November 3rd. Please come out and vote because I'm not just on the ballot. Justice is on the ballot. So please come out and vote November 3rd. It's very important.
0: Until next time. So long.